podcast by committee is brought to you by game time your new go-to app for the best deals on last minute tickets did you know nfl ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts game time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers then shows you all the best last minute deals with prices up to 60 percent off more than 12 million fans have downloaded the game time app and discovered the fastest easiest way to get into the game one thing that I love about Game Time is that there are no surprises with how the view looks from your seat once you get to the stadium. That's because you get a full in-app panoramic view of every single seat and every single stadium for any tickets that you are considering buying. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to Podcast by Committee on Halloween, the start of Week 9. Also on Halloween evening, 49ers and Cardinals kick off the ninth week of the NFL season. I am your special host for this episode of Podcast by Committee, usually just the producer, but Michael Beller sitting in the host chair for Nando DeFino, who's dealing with a little bit of car trouble. And uh, it's true, not just uh, not just a fake uh, sick excuse, uh, Nando dealing with a little bit of car issues. So I'm sitting in for him. We've got a great guest for you on this episode of Podcast by Committee, Eric Moody. Uh, Eric uh, writes the outside the box column for us here at The Athletic. You can also find him over at Fantasy Data. Eric, how you doing, my man? All things are going great. You know, I hope the status quo persists for the rest of the day. How about you? <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm doing good as well. I'm happy to uh, be able to talk with you here uh, on Halloween about uh, everything we've got going on in the fantasy world. Uh, as we are now safely into the second half of the uh, of the NFL season and the fantasy regular season, so things are starting to get tight for fantasy owners. Uh, we're hopefully going to help you go out and get a win here in Week Nine. You can follow Eric on Twitter at Eric N like uh, national uh, with them winning the world series feels nice and poignant moody eric n moody m-o-o-d-y you can follow me on twitter at m beller be sure to check out eric's work and be sure to check out our friday pods tomorrow we've got a special edition of the rankings pod and of best in the board coming at you for subscribers only if you're not yet a subscriber you can get 40 percent off an annual subscription if you go to the athletic.com slash podcast by committee eric let's do this thing so first of all happy halloween uh you got uh, you have you have a couple of kids right you're gonna be out trick-or-treating tonight oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah i got a four-year-old uh, girl and an eight-year-old or soon to be eight-year-old uh boy so yeah we'll be uh, out and about weather has been kind of cold here in texas at least for us so it'll be <laughs> uh, a nice crisp uh, 35 degrees tonight yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I'm in Chicago, and uh, I'm actually he- me and my wife are headed out to my sister's house uh, tonight, and uh, gonna hang out with the niece while she trick or treats. Uh, it is right now at 10:20 uh, a.m. in Chicago, snowing, so uh, it's uh, not looking uh, great for the uh, for the parents here in the Chicago area. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. But we can uh, right. All that matters is you come home with a full bag of candy, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Sure yeah. 
<laughs> right. So, uh, all right. Well, let's get into uh, let's get into the uh, the show here. Uh, so uh, we've got Nando put together the rundown. Still, Nando's always got a good finger on the pulse of what we want to talk about uh, on podcast by committee. He put down. He put in the rundown. He put this all together. And so we're just gonna take his hard work and then take uh, take credit for it here. So uh, let's jump in. We've got uh, a few interesting situations because of injuries happening around the league. One of them in Pittsburgh. We're not quite sure if James Conner is going to be able to go after his shoulder injury suffered last week against the Miami Dolphins. That could throw Jalen Samuels into a much larger role. He is expected to make his return uh, from a knee injury for the Steelers this week. And then the Lions, we know uh, what's going on with their running back situation after on Johnson was placed on IR. A lot of wasted fab, it appears, on Ty Johnson. This looks like it's going to be a pass-heavy team the rest of the season. They've also got a great matchup through the air with Oakland uh, on deck in Oakland this week. So the first question to you, Eric, this week is, what will be greater, Jalen Samuels' yards from scrimmage or Danny Amendola receiving yards? Yeah, and this was this was a tough question. I was really going back and forth on this one. I'm I'm leaning towards uh, Jalen Samuels, uh, and and here's why. But I'll start off with Danny uh, Amendola too. It's been interesting over the Lions' uh, last two games. Like he's accumulated 19 targets, you know, 16 receptions, and 200 receiving yards. So he will have opportunities in a plus matchup against the Raiders secondary. But here's what really makes Samuels very attractive this week. You know, he'll be, you know, a legitimate top 12 option. You know, obviously if uh, you know Benny Snell's inactive and uh, and James. Connor, you know, against the Colts. Uh, if you look back uh, with the Colts, you know, they aren't exactly a, uh, you know, like a cakewalk matchup. I know the last five uh, running back scores that uh, the Colts have faced, you know, over the last five games, I know they had uh, Philip Lindsay, you know, Duke Johnson, uh, Damian Williams, Josh Jacobs, and Devontae Freeman. I know that group average, you know, 15.6 touches and 74.6 total yards uh, per game over the Colts defense over that time frame. But just given the state of the Steelers offense, uh, I think Samuels will have a, a monster day if given the opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be uh, certainly an interesting one to watch uh, as the as the week plays out. Luckily, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff for Pittsburgh. So uh, whether you're a Connor owner or a Samuels owner, or maybe you have both, you're going to know what the situation is before you have to uh, really set your line. You're not going to have to be guessing at a uh, you know at a 4:30 or a nighttime kickoff uh, with the uh, Steelers hosting the Colts. Uh, so uh, I agree. Uh, I think I lean in Samuel's direction for this one. I do think that Detroit's going to be a very pass-friendly offense the rest of the season, but it's still going to be soaked up a lot by Kenny Galladay and by Marvin Jones. So Danny Amendola is, at best, the number three receiving option in that offense. It's worked for him the last two weeks. This is a good matchup, but uh, still, whenever you're the number three guy, uh, you're really reaching for some scraps there. So I do like Jalen Samuels, assuming that James Conner is unable to go in this one. How about our next one here? More passing yards. Matt Moore, he certainly is going to start. The uh, The Chiefs can say whatever they want right now, but we know it's going to be Matt Moore against the Vikings or Sam Darnold with the Jets getting a cushy matchup in Miami this weekend. You know, another, another question that had me scratching my head and thinking, man, Nando, you're giving me some difficult questions here. <laughs> but I will go with uh, with Sam Darnold uh, against the Dolphins defense. So uh, Dolphins defense, we all know that they're terrible. I know the last five quarterbacks that they face, you know, the Mason Rudolph, uh, Josh Allen's in there, Case Keenum, Phillip Rivers, and Dak uh, Prescott uh, have done very well. You know, that group's average, you know, 235 passing yards per game over that time frame. Now, the only quarterback out of that group that had 300 or more passing yards was Phillip Rivers. So Darnold should be able to meet 
uh, or even exceed, you know, those averages against the Dolphins secondary, just considering the receiving weapons that he has uh, at his disposal. So tough question, but I will lean towards Darnold. You know, we, we've been getting a lot of questions on the Jets. Um, it, obviously, it's been a couple of rough weeks in a row for that passing game. Darnold did throw two touchdowns last week, but a couple of turnovers. Uh, the numbers weren't quite maybe where you wanted him to be against Jacksonville. But it is worth remembering that, you know, he, he torched Dallas in his first game back. And he struggled against New England, who hasn't this year. Then he struggled a little bit against Jacksonville. But the schedule eases up considerably, starting with this matchup against Miami. I feel like the Jets' offense is a buy right now for the rest of the season from a fantasy perspective. Where are you on them uh, as we look at the rest of the season here? Yeah, it's easy to look at the schedule ahead and and thinking that, okay, Darnold, you know, will deliver the goods. But it's kind of one of those things in fantasy that's tough to kind of quantify. It's not really a statistic there, but just, you know, mentally I'm wondering where that team is at, you know, with how they got humiliated on uh, national television against the uh, against the Patriots. And it's like everyone in the league watches that game. So it's like, you know, getting humiliated in front of all your peers and how he bounces back from that. I think he's got the mental toughness to uh, make it happen. I would say the the. The concern that I have is I just don't believe that he's going to be able to support, you know, as a, as a quarterback, multiple uh, receiving weapons. So that's going to be, you know, folks are looking at Herndon. They're looking at you know, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder. So I just don't think he's going to be able to support all three of them. But I'm really more intrigued with uh, Le'Veon Bell as like a buy low just in that offense. Yeah, thankfully for uh, for Darnold, uh, despite uh, the rumors that were swirling around, Le'Veon Bell and Robbie Anderson remain Jets. Uh, either one of them getting shipped out of town would have certainly hurt his fantasy value. I think we see uh, better days for all three of those guys over the second half of the season compared with what we saw in the team's first half performance. All right, this one gets back to uh, the Halloween theme here. Uh, yeah, I knew Nando was going to come with a few of these. I've been uh, producing Nando's show for a few months <laughs> now, and he, he likes to veer into this territory. So I knew he was going to come up with some of these. Uh, how many Reese's peanut butter cups can you eat in 60 seconds? He says you're allowed a glass of milk, which feels like, I, I mean, I, I understand the, the the way they go together, but they go together as like a treat, not as uh, I'm trying to stuff 60 seconds worth of Reese's peanut butter cups into my face, right? Seems like the milk might get in the way. No, no, I agree. You know, I love Reese's uh, peanut butter cups. You know, I prefer to eat them slowly in order to savor like the chocolatey goodness. But if I'm in like a Nathan's hot dog eating contest trying to gorge those things down in a minute, I, I, I think I could at least eat 20. You know, this was kind of a tough one. I'll go wow. with 20. 20? Are we talking yeah. full-size cups here or are we talking the little baby guys that you can just pop in your mouth? I, I assumed that he was talking about the full-size cups. So did I. 20, man. That's a, that sounds like that's a lie. I, I would come nowhere near that. Yeah, it, it, it'll be difficult. I may hate myself afterwards, but I think I can make it happen. <laughs> oh man, you gotta! Uh, how many when your kids when your kids are done trick or treating? How many of their uh, Reese's peanut butter cups do you take for yourself? Well, I'll, I'll leave all the Reese's for them because <laughs> I, I did buy like another stash of Reese's. Oh, very that nice. They will most likely will not find because that is one of my favorite uh, <laughs> candies when I was a kid, and and I still now, but. Uh, I'm at the age where I probably need to lay off the, the Reese's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hear you, man. That's still some Father of the Year stuff right there, though. Letting them have, keep oh, yeah. let them have all the Reese's. But you, you got your, you got your cash of Reese's for yourself, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, back to football. What's the percent chance that Brandon Allen, making his uh, first start for the Broncos, has more fantasy points than Baker Mayfield, who he will be opposing in Denver in Week Nine? 
And I know it's bold, but I think there's a uh, greater than 50% chance that uh, Brandon Allen does score wow. more fantasy points than Baker Mayfield uh, in week nine in his uh, first career start. So one thing that's interesting looking at the Broncos defense, I'm like, they, they've only allowed a, an average of, of nearly 11 fantasy points per game, uh, you know, against their last five opponents, you know, uh, quarterback wise. I know uh, Gardner Minshew led the way. I think he had about 18 Point eight fantasy points back in week four. I just think the Browns are more likely to lean heavily on, on Nick Chubb, just considering the monster games that Denver's uh, defenses uh, gave up uh, here recently. I know Marlon Mack had a solid game last week, but then earlier in the season, I know they got torched by Austin Eckler and Leonard uh, Fournette. So that's my rationale. I'm leaning more towards Allen. I think a lot of folks are sleeping on him just because there's not a lot out there on him, but uh, I think he'll do well. I'm probably one of the few that believe that. Yeah, the Browns have been at their best when they've really leaned into Nick Chubb this year. Uh, it's something we've talked about on this show a couple of times that uh, you've got a, a quarterback who tends toward the skittishness side of his game. You've got an offensive line that uh, can't do a great job of protecting him. You've got a short quarterback who, uh, when he is getting pressure in his face, just by necessity has to roll because he truly can't see what's in front of him. And, and that all leads to uh, trusting the run game to take some of that pressure off of him, especially when you've got a pretty darn good running back in Nick Chubb that you can lean on. So uh, I like the call here in in Nick Chubb having a good game. Uh, I think he's going to really be the focal point of the Cleveland offense. And it'll be interesting to see what Brandon Allen and or Drew Locke eventually can do because there's some weapons in this Denver offense uh, and they've been in most of the games they've played this season. Cortland Sutton, uh, when they get Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick fully back, uh, we, we know Noah Fant can be a weapon. Uh, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, a nice one-two punch in the backfield. But they're not going to the playoffs, but there is some weapons uh, that you've got in this offense. So I'll be interested to see what Brandon Allen can do for as long as he remains the starter. Uh, an intriguing game, certainly. Uh, you don't get too many intriguing uh, games of sub-500 teams and a, uh, an over-under south of 40 as we do have in Cleveland and Denver. But I do think that's one that uh, – could be intriguing, certainly for fantasy owners, uh, as we get into it for week nine. Uh, our next heading here is PPR lineup making. So we're talking PPR leagues. Who would you start? This is a, a simple either or situation for each of the guys that we'll discuss here. But obviously, I uh, want you to go into some depth on uh, why you decide on the guy that you back. So our first one, Terry McLaurin versus Chris Conley. Now, I'll I'll, uh, I'll couch this in the fact that Terry McLaurin uh, is going to be much better off with Case Keenum than he would be with Dwayne Haskins, and we're not quite sure who's going to make the start there. Chris Conley could be the wide receiver one for Jacksonville this week, depending on the injury situations with DJ Chark and uh, or, yeah, DJ Chark and DD Westbrook. So, McLaurin versus Conley, who you got? Again, another difficult question. Kudos to Nando on this. Uh, <laughs> You know, I'll just come out and say it. I'm leaning more towards, um, you know, with Conley on this. And I'll kind of go into a little bit on, on the reason why. So you, you look at McLaurin, you know, everyone knows the numbers. You know, he's average, you know, 6.6 .6 targets, 4.4 receptions, and 65.4 receiving yards per game this season. Totally dominating the Redskins' uh, air yards. You know, he's got a 48% shared there. Now, the matchup against the Bills' secondary is not ideal. I'm like, if you look at the top wide receiver scores and PPR formats against the Bills over their last five games, has only averaged 11.26 fantasy points per game. Now, I think McLaurin could obviously exceed that average just given his ability, which I'll kind of dive into a little bit deeper into later for uh, another question that we have on the agenda. But if you look at, um, like, Connolly, uh, on the other hand, I'm like, 
he's really been cranking out some yardage over the last two games, you know, 186 receiving yards. Like you mentioned about the uh, injuries to uh, Westbrook and then with Shark, you know, he commonly kind of suddenly finds himself like on the fantasy radar, you know, as they face the uh, the Texans across the pond uh, this week. And and obviously with the Texans, you know, they're giving up a ton of fantasy points, uh, you know, two wide receivers, including uh, positive fantasy points over expectation too. So Conley's really in a prime position, you know, to get a, a high percentage of those uh, fantasy points, especially if some of his peers are limited or do miss the game. Yeah, I'm uh, really interested to see how Conley um, how Conley gets into the offense this week because we had uh, uh, on this show earlier, it was back in the summer actually, um, Jaguars beat writer on and they were uh, talking Conley as a potential sleeper. Obviously that hasn't happened for him yet, but starting to step up over the last couple of weeks. And if one or both of Chark or Westbrook are out, uh, he's going to be asked to do a whole lot of the heavy lifting through the air against the Texans over in London. How about a flex spot, Devin Singletary versus Devontae Parker? Again, another uh, another intriguing question. Uh, I had a little bit of an easier time uh, with this one. So I will uh, lean towards uh, Devin uh, Singletary. Uh, I know last week, you know, I know he rushed, you know, three times for 19 yards, you know, caught four or six targets for 30 yards and a receiving touchdown in the Bills uh, decimation of the Eagles uh, last week. Now, the rookie, you know, did finish a fewer rushing attempts than Gore, but did out target the future Hall of Fame running back while setting a season high and snaps played. So if you look look at this at like a 60,000 foot view, you know, Singletary's only average, you know, eight opportunities per game this season. Uh, he has accumulated 16, you know, over the last two games, but he has been really effective uh, with his touches. Like if you look at fantasy points over expectation and, and various other efficiency metrics, you know, if you look at fantasy points over expectation alone, I'm like, he's averaging, you know, 4.2 fantasy points per game more, you know, than expected. And um, I'm kind of scratching my head, you know, just watching the games because his usage continues to be illogical. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Singletary and the Bills obviously host the Redskins this week. So so good things, uh, you know, can end up coming. Uh, he should see some additional opportunities. You know, you would expect the Bills to play with the lead, uh, you know, in this matchup. And if you look at fantasy points and number of touches that uh, the Redskins have given up recently to opposing running backs, uh, it really paints a, a really good uh, outlook. So I think he's a solid, uh, you know, RB3 flex option. Uh, with RB, you know, two upside. So I just rather roll the dice with him than with Devontae Parker. Yeah, the only thing that concerns me with Singletary is uh, is if that game gets out of hand, do they just trust Gore to to salt it away? Last week, uh, you said season high snaps, played sixty eight percent of Buffalo snaps, but that was a game that they were chasing mostly against Philadelphia. If this has the reverse script, do they lean into Gore more? That's the one thing that concerns me, but at the same time, I can tell you that I believe off the top of my head, I would have to double check this, but I'm pretty sure every league where I've got Devin Singletary, I'm starting Devin Singletary. So that shows you uh, really where my thinking goes. I like Devin Singletary too this week uh, with Buffalo. Comfortable favorites over Washington. We've got another Halloween question for you. When you're trick-or-treating, you want a pillowcase or a bucket? Yeah, I was thinking about this when I was leaning towards like Bucket. You know, I think of those all those iconic, you know, Halloween, you know, pictures. I, I I tend to remember a bucket, you know, being there. I just think it's a little bit easier to carry, and I think the the pillowcase could get awkward, especially if you've hit up a number of houses and it starts to get really really filled. Yeah, or, right. You know, that's just uh, me. <laughs> almost come apart at the seams there. But yeah, and that that would be that would be horrendous. 
that's like a nightmare fueled scenario for a kid right there. Let me yeah, tell you, got to scramble to pick everything back up and uh, and get as much of it home as you possibly can at that point. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, all right, this is a little bit of a trick or treat question to me from uh, Nando. I was scratching my head at this because to me the answer seems obvious. Super flex league. You starting Ryan Tannehill or Jordan Howard? Yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing with the question. I'm, I'm leaning more towards uh, Jordan Howard on this. I know he rushed uh, 23 times for 96 yards and a touchdown, you know, in the Eagles' uh, win over the Bills. Uh, now he has a quote-unquote revenge game at home <laughs> against the Bears this week. So, you know, Howard's been uh, surprisingly effective, you know, with the opportunities he's had so far this season. Uh, when you look at fantasy points over expectation and other efficiency metrics, it's just given Tannehill's matchup that he has this week and with their tendency to be very conservative and lean more on the run, uh, just as far as like a super flex upside play, I'd rather roll the dice with Howard. Man, I guess uh, I guess uh, I'm in the minority then because I think Tannehill is the obvious play between these two guys. Just these, uh, you know, quarterback. I mean, right? I mean, even if Tannehill has uh, a substandard game, you probably feel pretty comfortable that he's going to get you 12 points. And that's a, yeah. that's a bit. I mean, Jordan Howard needs a touchdown to get to 12 points. Because he's not going to get there yardage-wise, most likely. He's Although the Bears uh, have been very friendly since losing Akeem Hicks up front. That's uh, a team that, uh, like, I like Jordan Howard better than Miles Sanders this week, even if Sanders is healthy, because uh, you can really attack the middle of this Bears line right now without Akeem Hicks. So they've been getting pushed around. Uh, Oakland had a big game, and Josh Jacobs had a big game against them in London. Then they uh, have the bye. They come home. Latavius Murray carved them up. Also running up the middle without Akeem Hicks. So I do think Jordan Howard's a strong play. I just saw almost 99 times out of 100, I'm going to want a quarterback in that super flex spot. And with Ryan Tannehill having been effective in his first two starts for Tennessee, um, I think Tannehill's the play. But I understand where you're coming from. I see the logic of the Jordan Howard play. And more often than not, in a, in a, uh, in a general situation, I'm going to want to find a way to get Jordan Howard into my lineups this week. Let's go deep here, uh, Eric. Uh, RB2 in a very deep league, as Nando lists it. Uh, are you going back to the well on Ty Johnson, or do you go to – Everyone's favorite wet blanket, Peyton Barber. Yeah, I'm going back to the well with uh, Ty Johnson here. I'm like, this is like the equivalent of like a twisted, like, would you rather question such <laughs> as like, would you rather age from the neck up or the neck down? Like Ty Johnson's the guy for me. Uh, his usage was disappointing last week as Matt Patricia, you know, pulled his best Bill Belichick impersonation with the Lions backfield. Uh, one thing with the box that drives me batty, and I kind of wrote about this in um, this week's uh, Outside the Box, which you can find uh, at theathletic.com, uh, would be around like adjusted line yards, you know, the metrics from uh, football outsiders. I'm like, that group, uh, you know, the box, so they currently rank uh, 14th in that metric, you know, while ranking 28th in uh, open field yards. Um, you can dive deeper into this into the article. I won't go into detail here, but it'll make, it really implies that the Buccaneers are more heavily dependent on their offensive line to make the running game work. Barber obviously isn't the most athletic running back. You know, he only has like one run of 10 or more yards uh, this season. So I just rather roll the dice with someone who's more athletically gifted, even though it's going to be very hard to predict, you know, how the touches are distributed. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. And I also, um, you know, both these teams are playing in games with high over-unders, but uh, I really trust the over-under in that uh, Detroit-Oakland game. I think we're going to see the highest scoring game of the week between those two teams. So I like getting involved in that game, even if Ty Johnson isn't the most ideal way to do it. Um, our last uh, either-or question here, back to the Halloween subject. If you had to exact revenge on someone, would you send Freddy Krueger or Pinhead after them? 
Yeah, I'd send Freddy Krueger. You know, <laughs> nothing's more terrifying than being like tormented in your dreams by your own subconscious fears. So Freddy would be the way to go for me. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a good call. And uh, since I'm not much of a scary movie guy myself, we can just move right on to uh, to over unders <laughs> here. Uh, a list of over unders. I'm going to fire them at you. You tell me uh, which side you go on and why. The first one uh, is sort of a a two parter. So uh, I'll, I'll give you the first one, but listeners know there's a twist to this coming after LaShawn McCoy total yards over under 45 and a half yeah I'm taking the over here I know McCoy's average uh, 61.3 total yards per game this season you know I think he'll continue to see opportunities like with Matt Moore under center and plus he's just basically outplayed Damian Williams over the last few weeks all right then with that in mind how about Damian Williams over under total yards also 39 and a half yeah, I'm taking the under there. I know Williams has averaged, uh, you know, under 39.5 yards uh, per game this season. My memory serves me right. I think it's around uh, 36 or so. So uh, just not that high, you know, on Williams. I know he had some success late last season, but I just rather go with McCoy on this. And just looking at the film, I'm like, McCoy still looks really good for his age, you know, of what he's doing out there. Oh, he unquestionably has looked like the best back uh, in Kansas City really all season long. Uh, the one concern, and I want to see where you are on this, is the fumbles, right? I mean, last week after he fumbled, uh, he didn't see the field again. He didn't get one more touch uh, last week. And that was a huge play in the game against Green Bay, especially after, you know, the big game that McCoy had uh, before the fumble. Is there any concern there that uh, Andy Reid is going to lean more into Damian Williams with the fumble issues McCoy's had this season? Yeah, I think he would still stick with McCoy, but I think mentally going into this game, McCoy is obviously aware of it. It's been widely publicized, obviously, in fantasy communities and uh, Twitter, social media. I'm sure he's probably heard an earful from the coaching staff on it. So I think he'll prioritize uh, ball security uh, this week. Uh, knowing that some reps could be uh, at risk. So I'm not too overly concerned about it. Yeah, I'm with you there too. And a uh, good thing to keep in mind, uh, Damian Williams ran for 30 yards on seven carries last week. Obviously, that doesn't sound like a whole much. That's his season high yardage total for the year. And uh, this was a guy who was drafted as a third round pick in a lot of circles, believing in the Chiefs offense. Uh, shows you that maybe you need a little bit more uh, yourself rather than just the system around you to get that high in fantasy drafts. Here's a fill in the blank. David Montgomery will be a huge blank in week nine. Yeah, he'll be a success in week nine. Uh, I have Montgomery projected to finish as a like a top 20 uh, fantasy RB in a PPR format for this week. So success will be the word for me. What do you like there about David Montgomery against the Eagles? Yeah, I uh, what I really like uh, that that they're doing uh, that Matt Nagy's doing is I, I know they had a lot of success uh, using like the I formation. Uh, last week in the in offensive line, uh, you know, really, really gelled. So if they still put that offensive line out there and this momentum from this previous game, I'm like, he really has no choice but to go back to him. It's just it's just frustrating where some of these NFL coaches, they, they try to be so smart and indifferent and, and, and on things that they end up just moving away from what works. And so it worked well last week. You've got a liability at quarterback with Trubisky. I'm like, why not give the rookie the touches to be successful? Yeah, 135 yards on 27 carries last week for David Montgomery. Also got five targets. Didn't do much with them, but the five targets certainly encouraging. So you love seeing uh, all that work for David Montgomery. And I do agree that uh, if the Bears are going to go into Philly and pull off an upset, it's going to have to be on the back of Montgomery and the defense. It's certainly not going to be on the arm of Mitch Trubisky, even though Philly's secondary is the liability 
on that team. One more fill in the blank for you. Stefan Diggs is a buy, sell, or hold for the rest of the season. Yeah, for me, Diggs is a hold. Uh, you know, he has the potential from uh, this point forward to finish as a top 12 uh, fantasy wide receiver, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he can even average, you know, 16 or more, you know, PPR fantasy points per game uh, the, the rest of the way. So, you know, he's a guy that I would end up holding. The last few weeks, we've obviously seen bigger games out of Kirk Cousins. They're still going to live on Dalvin Cook, but is what we've seen from Kirk Cousins uh, and the passing game the last couple of weeks something you think that we see more of going forward, or do you think we go back to early in the season when they really just rode Dalvin and the defense to all their wins? Yeah, I think we'll see We'll see more of it. Uh, I think the best thing that the uh, that Thielen and uh, Diggs did was really be vocal about their dissatisfaction uh, with the offense where things were going. And I know Mike Zimmer is kind of an old school kind of guy, my way or the highway, you know, type guy. But I, I think that was good for him to actually be open, you know, to change. And I'm like, they've got one of the top running backs in the NFL and Dalvin Cook. I know everyone is concerned about his durability, but I think they've done a really good job of um, – late in games where games have been decided to get him off the field and to get Madison in there. But I think with having the threat of Cousins, you know, throwing the ball, you know, deep to, to Diggs and then Thielen, uh, it just gives their uh, their offense a little bit more versatility and takes some of the pressure off of Dalvin Cook. So it's really worked marvelously over the last few weeks. So the question I would have for the Vikings would be, why would you want to change that? All right, one more in this section, and then we move on to our last section, multiple choice. You have to start one of these players every non-bye week the rest of the year in a half PPR league. Is it James White, Jamal Williams, or Cole Beasley? I go with Cole Beasley here. You know, he's a you know, weekly wide receiver, three type, you know, PPR formats or, or half point PPR, excuse me, uh, you know, for the rest of the season. Uh, I know Beasley and John Brown are averaging, you know, over seven targets a game. You know, I do believe that uh, Josh Allen will have to lean more on Beasley, you know, for the rest of the season, just considering some of the cornerbacks that John Brown will have to go toe to toe with. And uh, I know they do have that connection. And ultimately, I kind of view Beasley as like Josh Allen's uh, security or security blanket. So I think we'll kind of see more more of that uh, moving forward. All right, we're going to test out one of Nando's favorite uh, little games here. It, uh, it, we tried it with Michael Selfino a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Selfino gave Nando a lot of crap for it. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes here. Uh, we're gonna. I'm going to throw a player at you and ask you to describe him in X number of words. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see uh, exactly how this works. Chris Conley, we talked about him a little bit more. Give me five words on Chris Conley. His nickname is Flight Thirty One. You know, I'll elaborate. So <laughs> Conley's nickname in college was Flight 31 for his ability to kind of boost and, and make the big catch. So uh, his number was obviously 31 in college. If people didn't catch that. But uh, another fun fact is that he's an avid surfer from what I uh, kind of researched on him. I, I guess this correlated to why Conley's on pace to set career highs and receptions and receiving yards in Jacksonville. You know, just saying maybe that's something we can kind of add to the fantasy analysis hobbies and how that translates to the fantasy points per game or something. Yeah, well, but Raheem, I, I do love Conley in, uh, in deeper formats. <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was, Raheem Mostert was like a, like a sponsored skateboarder when he was uh, like in high school, something like that, or like in college. So maybe that maybe there nice. is something to that. Yeah, I'm like it, it could be. It's uh, I'm like I think Conley can make some noise, you know, especially in uh, in deeper formats, depending on what happens with uh, D.D. Westbrook and and with Shark. So no, love it. All right, how about Le'Veon Bell in forwards? No ego, no regrets. You know, from Bell's holdout and his horrific 
music videos under his juice <laughs> persona. You know, it's easy to think the guy has an ego the size of the state of Texas, you know, where I live. So you know, he's in the midst of a worst start uh, to his phenomenal career. Uh, you know, with a one and five, you know, Jets team. So they're just losing games left and right, obviously. But uh, he has handled the adversity on the field and in the media like a professional. So uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, he's an intriguing uh, kind of buy a low for me uh, just because of the volume that he's receiving. So I think that the Jets should go back to him. Whenever Darnold was out, they leaned heavily on Bell and he was cranking out yards. So I think that could be a recipe for success, you know, if uh, Adam Gase is listening. From Michigan State to Ohio State, three words on Terry McLaurin. All right, Terry McLaurin, three words, nice and simple and to the point, Washington's best player. So it's uh, it's rather unfortunate that the interim head coach, Bill Callahan, insists on establishing the run with a 34-year-old running back in <laughs> yeah. uh, Adrian Peterson. Uh, I'll kind of use this for a McLaurin uh, plug. But one thing I love about McLaurin watching him on film is that uh, he does a heck of a job of uh, creating uh, his own separation, you know, through his releases and his uh, quickness. I'm like, he's very good at, like, setting up defenders, which was really impressive to me as, like, a rookie. Uh, he does know how to use his body and frame to kind of force defenders off balance, you know, downfield. I think the cherry on top of all this is that he's performed well, you know, for fantasy players, uh, just given like the poor quarterback play that he's had to deal with all season. So, you know, I love the guy. All right. One of my favorite guys, Deshaun Hamilton. You've only got two words for him. A missing person. Uh, <laughs> Hamilton was a. Uh, yeah, he was like invisible with uh, Joe Flacco under center. I'm like, I was looking back at the numbers. And I'm like, am I going blind here? It's like, you know, 2.9 targets and 1.4 receptions, you know, 13 receiving yards, you know, like per game. Uh, it's just really interesting to see how his outlook improves uh, with Allen under center, you know, in the immediate future. But just from watching some of the Bronco games, especially that Thursday night game against the Chiefs, probably like the worst quarterback performance I've seen in quite some time from Flacco. I think things can only go up from here, right? Yeah, I totally agree. And let's get this guy a little bit more work. Let's find him, not make him a missing person. One last guy, Derek Carr. You've only got one word here, Eric. One word would be uh, conservative. You know, Carr is a guy, he doesn't like to throw the football downfield. Um, like if you look at um, like true passer rating, you know, it's a metric that's available at, uh, you know, fantasy data. I mean, he has the eighth highest rating there. That's just a metric that factors out uh, like unpressured throwaways and drop passes, uh, you know, out of, you know, the top eight QBs, you know, in that metric, you know, Carr has the fewest passing yards. Uh, it's another metric I'll look at like interceptable passes per game. Um, like he only averages 1.1, you know, again, very, uh, very conservative. You look at his numbers per game, like pass attempts, 31.3, the passing yards is like 242.1, 214.3 air yards per game. Very, very low when you look at some of the other quarterbacks that are out there, but, uh, he's been performing well. You know, he's been very effective last week kind of showed that in the right matchup, he could really, uh, thrive. I think of having Tyrell Williams with a few shots that he'll take downfield with, or, uh, yeah, Tyrell Williams, sorry. Um, just want to make sure I've got the right player. Uh, once he has him attacking defenses vertically, uh, you know, he's in a position for success. And he's got a really good matchup, uh, you know, against the Lions uh, this week and uh, a very good quarterback to stream for those that are in deeper formats. Yeah, a, a nice matchup this week and a nice uh, schedule upcoming after Detroit. The Raiders get the Chargers and the Bengals. One more question before we let you go, Eric. Uh, what's your costume this year? Very, very excited about this. So a uh, huge fan of the uh, Stranger Things uh, TV show. So um, 
I'm going as a date night Jim Hopper from our Stranger Things season three. So I've got a replica of the uh, the shirt that he wore, the kind of you know Hawaiian type '80s shirts, uh, jeans. You know, got some brown boots. You know, I've also not shaved in nearly a week to really embody the grizzled look that Hopper has on the show. So very excited about that. I guess for those that follow me on Twitter, I'll have to post like a photo uh, a photo of that. So uh, I'm very excited about that going out there with the kids tonight. Probably oh, we, have to wear a jacket, though. Yeah, so. we absolutely need to see a photo of this, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll make it happen. I'll <laughs> definitely put one out there. <laughs> All right. Gotta love it. Eric, uh, excellent stuff. Thank you so much. Again, you can follow Eric on Twitter, at Eric N. Moody. You can also catch his Outside the Box column on The Athletic every week. Also, go ahead and check him out at Fantasy Data. If you want to read that Outside the Box column, you got to be a subscriber. You can get 40% off an annual subscription at The Athletic if you go to theathletic.com slash podcast by committee. Eric, thanks so much, man. This was fun. Oh, no, it was. Yeah, it, it was great. Yeah, good good chatting with you, Michael. Thanks again for the invite. Looking forward to the next time, my friend. Absolutely. All of you out there, thank you for listening. Nando will be back with us next week as long as those car troubles go away. Until then, have a great weekend. Let's all go out and get some fantasy football victories this weekend. For Eric, I'm Michael. Happy Halloween.